0: Let's talk about a few things, and I want to mean by a few things. I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of things, things that you want to talk about, things that make your blood pump. Orange, like it's football time in Tennessee. It may be one day until the Vols head west to Nashville, the Nissan Stadium to take on Virginia, but uh, that time, it's essentially here. I'd like to think, outside of Christmas, that today was the most requested day off In the entire year of 2023. It has to be with the holiday coming up on Monday. What's up? It's checkerboard chatter. But but it is a little bit of an addition. It's like getting a car with heated seats. Heated seats would be Ryan. And then it would be like getting a sweet sound system, which would be Noah. And it would be like a souped-up car that is, like, sexy. You'd see in, like, music videos growing up on MTV. You get what I'm saying? What I'm getting at is when you subscribe – to the ball Report, when you subscribe to what we do at the Tennessee Rivals page, when you want information, when you spend $9.99 a month, and you're saying, well, I don't spend $9.99 a month. Well, why aren't you? These guys are feet in the facility. These guys are recruiting. These guys are breaking news, game-by-game coverage. They're following along with you on the boards, and their write-ups have been absolutely phenomenal. Ryan, that would be to your left. Noah, that would be to your right. Gentlemen, I'm not even going to do the whole, hey, good mornings, how are you, was the bacon good, is the coffee hot thing. People want to talk football, let's get right into it. Tennessee football, the last time we saw them, Ryan, since you're to the left, we'll get started with you. They were beating Clemson in the Orange Bowl on December the 30th. Joe Milton has looked like that he has rid himself of this disease of whatever it was that was sending footballs in directions that maybe didn't make a lot of sense Tennessee starts the season as the number 12 team in the land. I guess a progress report would be kind of apropos here, but where are you when you are a Tennessee fan who has been anxiously awaiting for Tennessee to hit somebody besides themselves against Virginia tomorrow at Nissan Stadium?
1: I mean, that's the exact thing that I've asked a a couple of players and that Josh Heupel has been asked where it's like, just put it simply, how ready are you to hit someone else that isn't on your team? And they all seem pretty excited. They're they're prepared. They're they're ready to go. But I mean, Omari Thomas, he told me straight up. He, he was like, yeah. I mean, we're excited. It it's been a 246 day off season. You, you get a little yeah. <laughs> you get a little bored of, of practice in a way, and you just want to get out there and and kind of hit someone else. So I, I think the team's really excited to get out there from everything we've heard at practice there's no reason to think that they're not prepared for this season and, and ready to take that next step forward. And I think the biggest thing is everyone on the team, you saw it in Joe Milton's beats, headphones message that he gave to the team. Let's win the East. And I, I think that says a lot that they're kind of taking it step by step. But that first step is still a big step with Georgia in your your division. You know,
0: I Noah, you and I have gone back and forth quite a few times. <clears throat> I, I look at this season pretty much like anybody else does take it two parts and part one is this five game stretch in september before your open date heading into texas a and m where are you one similar question to ryan on this season but i want to follow up and give you both a taste of something part one to that question the, the start of the season where are you not just virginia but what things could come with florida they don't look as sharp last night against utah you got a test in UTSA coming to town and oh yeah there's the South Carolina team that I think some Tennessee fans really like to get their hands on
2: yeah I've kind of got the same vibe that that Ryan's got being around the facility that there's a lot of optimism with this team Um, you know I I like that that September stretch and I think if you're a Tennessee fan you maybe like it more after last night because that (laughs) That kind of that—that's the one that jumps off the page in the month of September. I mean, South Carolina is a big game, but that's one you get at home. You got the revenge factor playing there. There's no reason those guys should not be up for that game at the end of the month. Um, you know, we, we we talked about you know keeping guys healthy until that Florida game, and after last night, you got to be thinking, man, you may be going into that bye week uh, feeling really good about yourself into a tough month of October. So I, I think if you're Tennessee, you know, you got to feel good about tomorrow and and just really the whole month of September in general, but the game's got to be played still, of course.
0: Virginia, who had to replace their starting quarterback because, well, he was playing for NC State last night. They lost their four leading wide receivers. Their pass rusher, number one, is not going to be available for this game. It seems like that you want to try to create a storyline with the whole Tony Elliott, did he, did he not get an offer from Danny White, but that's so Dole, it seems like it can't even bring life to this matchup. <laughs> when Tennessee scheduled this game for five years ago in the previous regime, I remember saying to myself, Okay, maybe Virginia's in the right direction. When Bronco Menenon Hall, this is a middle of the road power five. This is what you want if it's an SEC. My goodness, boys. My goodness. I I can't put lipstick on this pig at, at all what it's going to be. There's a reason why it's a 28-point spread. I just got done doing an interview that w- hits before you and I, uh, the three of us hit record, and the, the gentleman asked me, he goes, Ivan, it's 28 points. That, that just doesn't seem accurate. And I said, believe it or not, I refer to this spread, gentlemen, as a baby bear's porridge spread. Some are too high, some are too low. I think Tennessee is just right for touchdown spread against Virginia. Mm-hmm. Because, look, and this is more than Vegas in numbers. This is more than how it's going to look at the end of the day. Guys, this game and the next game are simply this. It doesn't matter what the depth chart looks like on Monday that they hand us. You're going to see every last name. You're going to see a lot of numbers that are going to probably be switched. Boys, this is a depth chart game. And that leads me to the next question. Ryan, when I say depth chart game, what are some of those positions where you go? I've always been – it's always been peculiar to me when the oars came out on Monday or for an injury standpoint, what are those positions where you go, I'm going to have a highlighter because this is important, this is important, and this is important.
1: I mean, uh, I'll take the obvious one being the offensive line. Uh, There's there's a lot of questions on it, especially with Cooper May's health up in the air. Hypo said they'll make a decision today on, on whether he's ready to go or not. Personally, I would be surprised just because there's no reason. Even if he's 99% healthy, why the point of playing him? So why? I don't expect to see Cooper Mays out there for these first two games. But without him, there's even more questions than there is even if he's healthy. Who's going to replace him at center? Is it going to be Ollie Lane? Well, they wanted Ollie Lane to play at guard. So he if he slides over to center, now that guard position opens up. Who Are the tackles going to be? We think it's going to be Jeremiah Crawford and or Jeremiah Crawford and John Campbell, but how does Gerald Mincy look? Is Dane Davis going to get a chance? So, to me, it's the offensive line you look at that, and there's going to be a heavy rotation in those first two games as they try to nail out exactly who those five are going to be with or without Cooper Mays. So, I think it'll be telling who that first group is on the field, but then also. It'll be important to keep your eye on who's actually performing well and where they're playing on the line, whether it's on the left or the right side, some guys that could slide in from tackle the guard or, or wherever they're placed.
0: Uh, Ryan says he's going to take the obvious low-hanging fruit. Noah, I'm sorry if there's no fruit remaining <laughs> yeah. to get there. There's got to be something. Yeah. If you don't say it, Noah, I will. So I'll give you the second opportunity to whack this piñata.
2: Uh, okay, I mean he's right. Obviously about the offensive line, That's something yeah. we've talked about all week. That's a big one. I'm interested to see the secondary and how that rotation works out. I mean that's it's a group that returns a lot of a lot of experience and it has some depth. Some guys that had to plug in at different positions last year that I think is going to help them. You know that they've showed they could be multiple. I think this is a really good chance for them to to you know get their feet wet in a, in a game against you know we just talked about it an opponent who's not is breaking in a lot of new players offensively yeah. a new quarterback playing at the power five level for the first time. So I'm interested to see what they roll with out there. I think we know who the starters are going to be there, but what what are you going to see? You know when you have when you start having those rotations because that was the last two years the previous two years that was a this has been a slow rebuild of that defense and you've had. You haven't had to enjoy the depth and the rotations like they're probably going to get to do Saturday. So concerns
0: at offensive line because of the question marks. Concerns in the secondary because of who are it's it, 17 scholarship athletes in the secondary. You got to think Willie Martinez, excuse me, and others will be able to find who is going to be able to play those positions. My answer, gentlemen, and it's not because there's question marks of health. It's because I want to know how they're going to – and look, it's the, the answer will change every week. I want to see the running back rotation. Yeah, I want to see, is Jalen Wright starting? And look, in an offense like Josh Heupel, who cares if Squirrel doesn't start over Dante? Squirrels won't get his chance. Who cares if it's not Jabari Small, it's Jalen Wright. Jabari's going to get his chance. Gentlemen, there are a few things I do know about this program and the time spent around this program and the access that we get. And I do know this, and I mean capital L O the e tennessee their coaching staff loves dylan sampson loves dylan sampson how much of the pie is dylan sampson gonna get to eat it's one game so to look back and go oh okay 45 35 10 20 whatever the the math is that's how it worked out I think that this year Tennessee's got a great problem. I think Jerry Max has got a great problem in his room. You know, I look at the way Jalen Wright – look, it's – I pay attention to some of the little things as well. I see Jalen Wright last year before the NIL deal started becoming more fruitful, and it was, man, it's just a business. I might have some decisions I got to make. Okay, you want more NIL money, Jalen Wright? Don't take it to social media. All right, keep it there in the facility and talk to people you need to talk to. Jabari Small, there have been times where perhaps maybe fumbling has been an issue and and you needed to stay healthy. And then you have Dylan Sampson who, boys, again, say what you will, however he looks, the least amount of reps that he gets – it's not going to be the be all in the, the be all end all on the concrete side of things, but I'm very interested. Day one, Austin P, Florida, UTSA. I'm gonna be tracking and charting these running backs because as much as everybody wants to talk about how sexy let it rip Ryan, sexy, let it rip Noah, this running game is still so important to what Tennessee does. I mean, both they had 10 touchdowns plus last year, did right and small. The ground game so very important to what Tennessee wants to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the the telling things about Dylan Sampson, too, was when Jerry Mack, when he was talking to the media, someone asked him, how do you know when a freshman's ready? And he immediately used Dylan Sampson as a, as an example, being like, yeah. you can just tell. And with Dylan Sampson last year, you could tell early that he was going to demand playtime. So, yeah, it's a big deal. It's it's a, a whole common misconception that Tennessee just throws the ball a lot. It's a pretty 50-50 split. So, you, you need that trio of running backs to To play well, and I think it's a a big deal that they have three because if Jabari Small gets nicked up, you still feel good with two of them. If Jalen Wright gets nicked up, you still feel good with two of them. So having three guys you can trust I think will go a long way.
0: You know, Noah, I think I did a poor job of – you can take my broadcasting degree away from me. I I think I did a poor job of – look, Ryan brought up Cooper Mays in that offensive – because then the follow-up to the running backs were going to be, you know, this is why the offensive line is so important for what they're wanting to do. To backtrack just a hair, and I know you pretty much will co-sign with us on this. If Cooper Maze's procedure allows him to be ready to play, let's play devil's advocate just a bit. Sure, you don't want to get him out there to re-injure or hamper the situation that is currently happening with him. But my goodness, the one thing that makes this team so talented, and I asked Omari at SEC Media Days, I asked Jacob Warren at SEC Media Days, he talks about the reps that this team gets and how they are always staying in shape. (laughs) How do you, Coach Noah, try to find a way to find a balance of restoring health building health, building what you need to keep yourself on the field and make sure the reps are there. I would love to sit here and beat my chest and go, yeah, Cooper Mays needs to stay off the field to Florida. And then I watch him the first drive in the humidity at night in Gainesville, Florida, huffing and puffing like me when I walk to get the mailbox. I mean, brother, there's this kind of game where we have to play a balance when it comes to getting him back into game shape.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough decision for them to make because – I mean, what did he make it a week into fall camp before this injury? So it'd he's be one thing.
0: What, 28 days now? Yeah. 32 I, days? yeah. I
2: mean, if it had been something that happened later in fall camp, maybe. But you're right. you got to have that game. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's this one. I don't think you want to risk anything here. But, again, Austin P. you know, it, it is going to be important for him to get out there. And, and and I know he's been in this system now for two years. He's played a lot of football. But, yeah, I mean, you do got to get those reps. You do got to get that, I guess, acclimated to the speed of the game, or reacclimated in his case. Because, man, if if you don't count that, I mean, how much do you do in the first week of fall camp anyway? You know, so he has missed a, a huge portion of uh, getting some big reps here. So he re- essentially hasn't done anything since the spring. So yeah, I think that Austin P. Games one, where if you can get him out there and just 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 to get him, you know, reacclimated. Because you're right, you know, you get down to Gainesville on a Saturday night. I don't imagine it's going the weather's going to be very uh, easy for somebody who hasn't played a, a snap a, down a football since, since, since the spring game. You read their
0: writing, but you want to learn their faces. Ryan to the left, Noah to the right. Checkerboard chatter here with the Tennessee report. Uh, Question time. I'm going to blaze through these because I'm really, really intrigued where you guys are going to lean in this direction. Noah, I think it's only fair that I start with you, seeing that Mr. Low-Hanging Fruit over here wants to take all the <laughs> offensive line stuff. I'm kidding. Uh, most important transfer for the University of
2: Tennessee in 2023? Oh, man, that's on the spot. Um, Man, I think I'm going to go with the defensive side because you just this defense just – you expect so much out of them this year, I think. You expect to see improvement. I'm going to go with Keenan Peely there. Wow. Um, I think that will make a, a nice one-two punch with Aaron Beasley if Aaron Beasley has the kind of season we think he's going to have. Um, Peely has brought a lot of leadership. Coaches have raved about him. He's played a ton of football himself. He's a two-time captain at BYU. Uh, and, and I think that defense, you know, you just need to see – and linebackers, another position where they've built up some depth there. You've got some guys – like Elijah Herring, who played a little bit last year. and Obviously, right. split time between special teams, but you're expecting more out of him. Arian Carter, I know he's a freshman, but they've raved about him and, and what he's been able to do. But I think leadership in that room is still going to be very important. So I'm, I'm going to go with Keenan Peeley there.
1: Ryan? Yeah, Keenan Peeley and Dante Thornton are probably the big two, but the one I'm going to go with is going to be Omar Norman Law on the defensive line. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The reason being – That secondary, we've seen the issues it has. We've seen the struggles they can have. I think a big way for Tennessee to kind of mask that and cover it up is to get pressure with those four guys up front. So if Omar Norman Lott can pair up with the Omari Thomas, with an Elijah Simmons, with those guys around the edge, and they can get pressure on the quarterback with four guys down and let those linebackers drop into coverage, I think that'll go a long way for Tennessee's pass defense, and it'll help a secondary that I expect to be improved, but not elite by any sense of the word. So if Omar Norman Lott, which we've only heard good things about from the coaching staff, which we've only seen good things from in the limited stuff we get to see in fall camp, if he can step up and kind of reach that potential that we've heard, I think that'll go a long way for the defense.
0: John Campbell Jr. Put me down for him. Here's why. But I, OK, so that's the answer. I want to have a brief conversation. There is something very peculiar about him and the transfer portal that I still haven't been able to thumb just yet. You're John Campbell, Jr. You're in Miami. You are starting. Things seem to be going well. Mario Cristobal takes that job over after getting hired from Oregon. Where did Mario Cristobal make his money in the NFL? Left tackle. Why is Mario Cristobal looked at as one of the best offensive line coaches in college football? Look at Oregon. Now look what he did at Miami the first year. I hope we don't find out down the line that perhaps maybe something behind the, and I'm not alluding that's what happened. I, I clearly am still trying to dig why the transfer. It can't be more. I just like Waffle House. Oh, that's great. I've, I've gone out of my way for Waffle House before too, but you don't leave Coral Gables for Knoxville, Tennessee – I just question if your whole goal is to get to the next level to make millions of dollars, why don't you get coached by one of the best who's ever played the position, but you left to come to Tennessee. All that to the side. You can be the left side of this line, which, hey, guess what? Joe Milton wants to be awesome. He probably needs an offensive line who's healthy that can sit there and keep him upright, as we've already touched on today. You move Mency slash Crawford, that battle to the right side of the offensive line. And I think that perhaps... John Campbell Jr. can add a little bit of violence that Glenn Ellerby is looking for. We could talk about how successful Darnell Wright was last year and how a top 10 pick will make Justin Fields very happy in Chicago this coming NFL season. Gentlemen, you've heard the same thing I have because you sat in the same press conferences and you've heard the same thing. Glenn Ellerby made it a point. Spring session before, after, I think it was right before the orange and white game, for him to send his praise out to Jerome Carvin. That how Jerome Carvin was so violent. Jerome Carvin was such a leader. And Jerome Carvin, how, what it took to get Carvin healthy to make sure he could play every game last year for the University of Tennessee. So I'm there for John Campbell. We might have the same answer here, but it's already a question that gets hit in my mailbag weekly when I do the chatter. In your opinion, who's the most important freshman? offense or defense this year for the university of tennessee and it might also go into the second question who do you think will be the freshman who, who plays the most immediate impact and if you want to say red shirts that's fine but the new face of that's a new name on this roster or when they go and get their little booklets or their actual uh, they get their game day programs outside of neyland stadium
1: ryan yeah, I mean, A- Arian Carter, of course. Hey, is, there's
0: that guy's name. The,
1: freshman, the true freshman that's going to stand out the most. But if we want to talk redshirt freshman, Please. I, I think you have to look at the wide receiver position in guys like Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod. Uh, th- those are guys that Hypo will not stop talking about. He, he is really excited for their progression. I don't. Ryan's reading necessarily...
0: off my cheat sheet. You jerk. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily think that they're going to come in and play big snaps and meaningful games as as redshirt freshmen. But I think that that's kind of the next wave of wide receivers that Hypo wants to see in his offense. So, in games like Virginia, in games like Austin P that we talked about earlier in the show, where you're going to see a lot of rotation. I think those are two young guys that it'll be interesting to keep your eye out on them and see how they do, especially. If they're catching balls from Nico late in the game when the score's a little bit out of reach, I think that'll be interesting to watch too, how that connection goes.
0: Uh, Noah, it's okay to co-sign, because I'll speed it up and say Arian Carter. He doesn't look like he's 18. There's a reason why Alabama was looking through the cutout of the gym going, Let it, can we talk to you one more time? Please, one <laughs> more time. And it's just, if is banging on the door knowing what they can do defensively, uh, let's say the Key and Peely project let's say that it's different than what they do there in the BYU Mountain West Kalani Sataki whatever let's say that does occur that doesn't work or things fail arian carter very quickly is becoming that guy where you go where's he at on the football field because even when he shoots the wrong gap and he has to over adjust i've never seen a guy who can make up so much ground on his own mistakes in the same play and still make a player attack tackle yep. happen and i'm not trying to make it seem like this guy's the second coming to lawrence taylor i'm just playing he's saying he's pretty damn impressive noah what say you
2: Yeah, I I think early – you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It reminded me earlier in fall camp, I think Brian Jean-Marie made that reference as well, that that he's a guy that can recover from his mistakes quickly. And I think players even talked about that before, you know, some of the older guys that have have practiced with him and said, man, he may be in the wrong position, but he makes up for it pretty quick. So, yeah, he's a a guy I think is going to make an impact. I mean, everything that they say about him seems genuine. Some of it they'll say without even being asked. And you – yeah. McCollin Castles, and it's all over the the, the place. You know, McCollin Castles is a tight end, and he was asked the other day who's who's a young guy that's impressed him, and he said Aaron Carter without question. And so I do think a lot of that's genuine out of there, that they're really impressed with him. And, I mean, you see his name right there on the depth chart. I think we're going to get to see him play quite a bit. Guys, we're inside the final six minutes
0: here. And maybe some people clicked on this video just to scroll ahead because they go, I know they're going to do season predictions. I know they're going to talk about <laughs> You got. You cannot cheat me. This is a Tennessee buffet where you must give me details. You must give me specifics. I don't care how ludicrous, off-the-wall, or completely spot-on it sounds. I need you to dress up the 2023 Tennessee football season. I'll start with you, Noah. I need season predictions. I need bumps in the road. I need storylines players of the year and I need you to tell me where this whole rodeo ends up finishing up new year six jan one national championship it's all in
2: the details I think you know I think my biggest thing that kind of I I thought the Florida game in week three is where you were going to learn the most about the Tennessee team I know that's an easy thing to say because you can say that literally every year about Tennessee football but that was the game you haven't won there in 20 years You know, that was a game that was closer than it probably should have been in Knoxville last year. Granted, Anthony Richardson's not there anymore. After last night, I I do think you kind of – that game seems a lot more winnable for Tennessee. And I think if you win that game – I said that in our season predictions, uh, I think, in July. um, If you get past that game, I I think 10-2 and is where you finish. And I I, I still like that prediction. I think your your bumps in the road, obviously, could be Alabama, another place that's tough to win – we know how Nick Saban isn't in, in revenge games after last year. Um, Georgia is an obvious one that, that could be a loss, but it's at home. They've got some – you know, I think they'll take maybe a step back with with Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator. Uh, so I think the three games you're looking at – and then you could throw Kentucky in there as well. That's another game that's going to be interesting with Devin Leary, quarterback. Um, but I still feel pretty comfortable with 10-2. and two. I don't really know specifically who those two losses could be. Uh, Alabama and Georgia would be, probably be the safe answers – but uh, there, there's definitely going to be some challenges in there. I think again, a lot of it comes down to the offensive line and, and how you know they kind of gel. Long Cooper's out. How, how much they gel without him, and and how he does when he comes back. But I still like ten and two. Um, I, I can't remember what the other question was. The player. I need you to give
0: me your losses in concrete, or I'm going to tell everybody you said Vanderbilt and Austin
2: P. Oh God, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that could come back and bite me. I. Uh, losses yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go alabama and georgia and i know those are safe um nothing really you know no hot takes there i guess um georgia's kind of the team where you, they've kind of reached the point under kirby smart where it's like until they lose you know uh, i'm You're just a gonna machine. keep picking them win. yeah machine. i mean they're gonna roll and and yeah i'm gonna go with that those two um
0: Give me MVP. Give me bowl destination because I want to go to McGee Tyson Airport and already book my flight for Phoenix, Arizona. Because apparently everybody's digging the Fiesta at ten and two.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with the New Year six. I think they get in there. I think with the schedule, the resume, you know, and what they did, what they were able to do last year, you know, getting into a New Year six game and the way they, because I mean, you, we've seen some teams go in that ten and two range and end up in a in the Citrus Bowl, you know. So, but I, I think. I think Tennessee it does. I mean, you go ten and two with this schedule in the SEC. um, Your offense, I think, will have a little bit of a drop off, but not a lot. They're still going to be very good. They're going to be a a team a lot of people want to watch, and I I do think a New Year's Six bowl is is where they're heading. And I know Fiesta Bowl has been a popular one. Uh,
0: That's it's that in the Peach Bowl. Like, did you imagine after the Jeremy Pruitt sanctions started coming down (laughs) that Tennessee was in talks to go to back to back New Year's Six? Yeah, yeah. Which one do we
2: want? Atlanta's a little closer, but.
1: some good nah. history in the yeah.
0: By that time, by that time, I don't care about the odometer. I'm just like, where's the quickest play to get there and get it taken? Yeah, right. yeah. Ryan, eleven and one, they lose to Virginia.
1: You won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to take exactly that one, but uh, my, my take is I, I have to give credit to to Jack Foster of RTX. I think he was the first one to say this, and I completely agree. It's a team that feels nine and three, but you look at the schedule and you go with ten and two. And, and I agree with that. I, I yes. look at the schedule. Very astute. You, you see Alabama and you see Georgia and you go, okay, those are your two losses. And every other game, at least right now, heading into the season, your favors. Uh, the biggest trip up for me is going to be Kentucky. I think that's going to be the toughest game out of those two on the schedule. They get two weeks to prepare. Their Tennessee has to go on the road. They, they're playing a new offensive line, a new quarterback, a new OC. It's going to be a whole new Kentucky offense, which they desperately mm-hmm. needed. And I think that game looks a lot more like it did in Hypo's first year when he went to Lexington in like a 45-42 shootout type of game. I'll stay, I'll still take Tennessee in it. I, I think Tennessee comes out on top and sneaks that win. But I, I I still stick with 10 and 2 because even if they lose that game, even if they lose to AM, if the sky falls and they lose to South Carolina for two years in a row, if they right. drop a random game in the swamp or wherever it is on the schedule. Who's to say Tennessee doesn't beat Alabama or Georgia and do what they did last year and drop one that you probably should have won but win one of those two games? Maybe Alabama can't figure out that quarterback situation and they're not exactly elite and Tennessee can go into Tuscaloosa and win that game. Maybe Georgia takes a step back with Mike Bobo and they start to turn into an 11-1, 10-2 and and team again and they have a new quarterback as well. Maybe Tennessee can take them down at home and, and sneak an East appearance. So for those reasons, I think even – I'll take the two losses being Alabama and Georgia – but I'm not ruling those games out. So even if Tennessee does slip up somewhere along the way, I think there's a good enough chance that they do pull off one of those upsets. That you look at the the record at the end of the season, you're seeing a 10 and two. But uh, in terms of MVPs, who you asked for, uh, I'll, I'll go. I'm, I'm gonna, man. That's tough. I, I started answering that before it's so exactly that, I said. Like, it's <laughs> like
0: last year. You could have the or you could have the honest argument: is it Jalen Hyatt or is it Aaron yeah, Hooker?
1: For sure, I. I'll I'll go. I'll give a a two man answer here at wide receiver. I'm going to go. Bruce McCoy will have the most touchdowns. Is my take, but Dante Thornton will have the most path or receiving yards. So I'll go a combination of those two. Okay. It's not exactly the answer you were looking for, but
0: no, it's a fair. No, it's a fair answer.
1: That, that, that's what I'll settle on is Brew McCoy will have the most touchdown catches, but I think Dante Thornton's big playability down the field by the end of the season will have the most receiving yards racked up.
0: You both went 10 and 2. Mm. Mm. Fine. I'll drag the program down. Nine and three. Um, here's the reason why. You, what you just mentioned, Ryan, I'll take it a step further. I think. And you you kind of alluded to this, so if not, I guess I'll double down with you. Tennessee has the capability this year to beat every single team on their on their schedule. Mm-hmm. I think you do. You bringing up the Mike Bobo point? Why you couldn't win for over thirty years with that type of offense running your system, and then you win back to back years, and then you just know what you. you, you you go back you you regress yeah. to that what that makes no sense i'm dating a 10 but my ex-girlfriend I used to throw my stuff out the window she's a six and i'm like hey honey i'm coming home I'm like what are you doing like what are we what are we doing here this is stupid um i think tennessee starts five and oh going into the open date i think they have convincing wins tomorrow Florida and boys, I can't stress this enough. I think they take South Carolina's head like a dog and rub it in their poop across yeah. the carpet and say, "You don't poop in our house." I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think they beat A and They go six and zero, oh, and we have a top six four clash in Tuscaloosa. I think the Vols fall there. I think the Vols will fall. In Kentucky to Lexington. And I'll have to grow a mustache because I'm dumb enough to make that bet with my co host. I just, I'm, it's not the team. I am, if you're a Tennessee fan and you guys have already brought it up, I am scared like hell because that quarterback, that system, and Mark Stoops, much like Tennessee, has kept an eye on South Carolina. Stoops saw what Tennessee did to them at Erie Rocky Top, may Will Levis look stupid. They're going to keep a pound of flesh. I think they lose to Georgia as well. I just think Georgia right now is is Noah laid out as a machine. And I think right now that there's still going to be some growing pains for Joe Milton, even if the light bulb has clicked on this year. That'll put him in the Citrus Bowl, Jan 1. And why not give me Josh Heupel's offense against Luke Fickle's defense at Wisconsin and see, Hey, Tennessee fans. Hey, Wisconsin fans who can out drink Orlando faster (laughs) and Wisconsin fans. They take that stuff personally. (laughs) Gentlemen, I'm going to start with you, Ryan. If we click on the Tennessee rivals vault report page, what do you have posted? What's coming up before you make your travels West to Nashville tomorrow?
1: Yeah, we have all the, The news portion stuff you need in terms of the injury report from yesterday, from what Hypo said. But there you go. We've we've also got some some kind of more fun pieces, some more kind of our opinion pieces. I'll have kind of takeaways for success for Saturday up today, which doesn't mean takeaways to win because, or sorry, not takeaways, keys to success, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean keys to win because Tennessee's going to win that game, but kind of keys to make it a successful trip to Nashville, what Tennessee needs to do in that regard. So that'll be something on the page. Uh I'll plug it for Noah too. If, if you haven't read his article on the last time Tennessee played Virginia, that was a phenomenal historic piece. He did talking to some, some VFLs from, from back in the day. So we've got a lot of good taunt, uh I can't talk right now. A lot of good content, whether it's news pieces, whether it's what Hypel said or whether you want to hear our opinions uh going into the season, we have you covered over there.
0: Look at you. You're a team player. Noah, I'm intrigued before you have to go show your house and put it up on the market. <laughs> what did you learn about the 1991 Sugar Bowls? I say Sugar Bowls. The Sugar Bowl. I can't call them Sugar Bowls because then they think I'm talking about the other game in the 80s. I'm going to shut <laughs> up. Whatever.
2: What did you learn about that
0: 1991 trip to New Orleans against Virginia?
2: Oh, man. My favorite part it was talk, talking to Tony Thompson, uh, who obviously had the game-winning TD yeah. in, in that game. <laughs> you know yeah. going up high with i think 30 seconds left and a uh, great interview probably one of the best you know athletes i've ever interviewed he was he was really good um but it, my favorite part was his in talking about johnny major's halftime speech they were down 16 to nothing at that point and yeah. uh i won't say it on, on air here i guess i don't know if- thank you <laughs> <laughs> but uh he had some some words to share with the guys and it, it propelled them they went out in the second half and and won that game and right down to the wire and uh, he was great. Carl Pickens also quoted in that story. He was good as well. So I appreciate Ryan with the plug. Yeah, I, I started on that. I think last year last, or last spring, I had the idea to, to maybe to maybe look back on that game. So I'm I'm happy it's finished.
0: Uh, you see, this doesn't help you in your tease to go read that article but when i heard the story a few years back about johnny's halftime speech down in the superdome i saw johnny one day at the station and i go coach i got to ask you a question can you recite or recall anything you said <laughs> to that team in 1991 and he goes ah no no, I'm, I'm. I mean, I've said a lot of things in my time, son, and I did, And I'm like, okay, well, it was worth the ask. I go around the corner. I go get my water to refill it. Coach was heading to use the bathroom. Whenever I stopped him, which let's be honest, I'm stopping a man who probably has to piss, and he's probably like, "Dude, get out of my way! I've got to use the bathroom." And when I came back around after getting my cup, he comes back out, and he's—you can tell he got done washing his hands because he's still rubbing his hands together—and he goes, "What I said to him was simply," and he essentially recites it. And I was like, <laughs> 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 and i was like this the, it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my life so that's you brought awesome. that up did you go back and watch you can see my eyes go uh oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh it was colorful and sp- they won the game they won yeah. the freaking game all right that's all you got to know what did johnny's major speech what it doesn't matter they won the game <laughs> ryan thank you noah go sell a house i need a loan tyler <laughs> ivans these two dudes they work very hard, and you're saying to yourself, man, 999, because these cats are bringing great stories like 1991 last time the Cavs balls got together, the successful keys that you need to know. We want to make sure when it happens, you're in the know right here on the Checkerboard Chatter, right here on the Ball Report, and right here on the Tennessee Rivals page. Go balls! It is one day until it's football time in Tennessee.